This podcast from Teacher Magazine is supported by Enhanced TV. Enhanced TV is used in thousands of Australian classrooms to stream educational videos that engage students. Enhanced TV is a not-for-profit, which means more value to educators. Enhanced TV is completely free to K-12 teachers. For more information, visit enhancedtv.com.au forward slash free. Hello, thank you for downloading this podcast from Teacher Magazine. I'm Jo Earp. In this episode of The Research Files, I'm joined by Dr John Halsey, former teacher and principal and now Emeritus Professor at Flinders University. His final report on the independent review into regional, rural and remote education here in Australia explores the key issues, challenges and barriers affecting student learning outcomes and suggests four priority areas for action. Dr John Halsey, welcome to the research files. Now, one of the remits of the review is to examine the gap in educational achievement between school students in regional, rural and remote areas and their metropolitan counterparts. So, can you start with a brief overview of these differences in achievement? Uh, Thanks, Joe. Good to be here. Yes, I can. In a nutshell, um, the further you go out from a large population centre, and in particular a capital, uh, there's a downhill decline. And, of course, there are exceptions to this. Uh, But overall, in terms of the national literacy and numeracy data, in terms of school completion rates, in terms of transition to quality post-school higher educational training, in terms of PISA results and TIMS results internationally, uh, in all of those there seems to, or not there seems, there is a a factor that is at play in terms of um, remoteness uh, or rurality as some have called it. And as I've said, it varies from place to place. And uh, as I wrote in the discussion paper, you know, an average score of 50 in cricket can hide a couple of centuries and a few ducks. So that's one way of thinking about it. But taken overall, uh, that's the picture. Mm-hmm. So clearly an issue to be to be grappled with then here in Australia. I mentioned in the intro that your report suggests four priority areas for action. I'll quickly go through those. Firstly, establishing a national focus for regional, rural and remote education. Secondly, leadership, teaching, curriculum assessment. Uh, the third priority you identified was ICT. And the final one is student transitions into and then out of school, into careers and uh, and life after school. Focusing on that second area then, what are some of the challenges that you found uh, during your review in relation to school leadership, first of all? Well, in, in school leadership, um, one of the, well, there are a couple of big issues there. One is that typically um, rural, regional, remote schools are um, someone's first posting as a leader, not exclusively, so it's the experience base. Um, secondly, many of our schools in rural, regional, remote areas are small. Uh, There are a bit over 2,000 schools in Australia with less than 100 students, and most of those are in rural, regional, remote areas. And they, uh, the size of the school, the staffing complement, the administration, and uh, the inexperience, uh, when you wrap that all together, presents um, uh, significant issues uh, in terms of leadership. You also have the added dimensions of building relationships with community and sustaining those relationships. And um, one of the factors in very small communities is something that I call high surveillance and low anonymity. And by that I mean um, you live the role 24-7, 365, or 
it's not really 365 because there are some breaks, but you know what I mean? It's a 24-7 mm-hmm. role uh, in a community, and that brings its added complexities, as well as uh, frequently school principals, school leaders in small communities have a range of extra um, responsibilities which uh, usually aren't found in larger centres and certainly not in metropolitan areas to do with teacher housing, um, bus services, uh, accessing specialist services to support students and just coming to grips with the whole issue of uh, distance and then within back inside the school again, um, class, class formation, designing learning programs with small numbers of students across a wide range of um, grade bands or year levels. Mm-hmm. So, so so some different challenges there for principals. What about uh, for the role of teaching? I'm guessing some of those things still apply <coughs> in terms of attracting and retaining staff, but you also talked about the need to allow teachers in these areas to adapt the curriculum to suit local contexts. Mm. Yes, that's... Um, well, you've got the attraction retention, you're right, and also um, you've got the experience base. Again, typically in Australia... Uh, We've um, sent our least experienced teachers to our, some of our most challenging remote contexts uh, with the promise of permanency or a long-term contract or something as an incentive. Uh, so you've got that. Then in terms of adaption to local context and thinking through how the curriculum might relate, um, that one of the things I found in the review, both uh, in some of the written submissions and in some of the um, meetings I had with teachers and parents, they were seeking greater capacity to respond to local context, to build to build the curriculum around that, to not disconnect themselves from the big picture, if you like, from the nation as a whole, and from the importance of you know standards and levels of achievement, but to have a much more responsive approach to things, which could also lead into opportunities for entrepreneurship at a local level, um, and some of this applies in particular to remote indigenous schools where you have still very strong traditional practices, um, very strong uh, traditions of language, of living on country, of ceremony. And um, I think there's still significant scope to think about how um, more, uh, I was going to say, productive, beneficial blends of modernity, if you like, or a Western conceptualization of curriculum and tradition could come together in some new productive mix. Mm-hmm. You, you touched on entrepreneurship education there, and I want to come back to that later on. But um, to, to, to look at some of the possible solutions to those challenges uh, in terms of teaching and leading, in the report, a uh, quote from your report, you say, during my discussions with leaders of small schools, it became very apparent there's significant potential to free up more of a teaching principal's time for teaching and supporting learning by reducing their administration load. And, one suggestion you make is by setting up clustering or partnership approaches. Can you explain a little bit about those? Yes, well, there, there are quite a few of those at the moment, but I think there's significant capacity for more. Um, and, I mean, putting it, I suppose, in a nutshell, that there is capacity to generate some efficiencies by coming together to get common tasks done in a more centralised, uh, common way, rather than replication in five or six small sites. Um, and what I was thinking of, uh, things like, you know, in a cluster of schools or a cluster of partnerships, um, a, a school manager, school bursar, school clerical person, admin officer, you know, who does, who, who works between the sites and across the sites um, to take care of, and I don't mean this in any diminishing sense, 
but re routine accountabilities and so on. Um, when I was out in the field meeting uh, and starting to drill down on this, uh, one principal of a small school said to me, uh, you know, we can get 150 emails. I think I quoted it in the report. Mm -hmm. I couldn't verify that in terms of show me every email, but a few colleagues in the room all nodded uh, in a very short space of time. And um, another factor, you know, not only in a cluster-based arrangement, another thing that needs to be thought about is a more differentiated um, communication out to sites and out to schools, uh, cognizant of the fact that in some schools, you know, teaching principals have significant classroom contact and yet, you know, have to address systems issues as well. And uh, surely there are ways to um, have a better um, targeting approach to things uh, and, uh, you know, therefore free up time for, um, for teaching and for focusing on the learning needs of the students. Um, and I think this uh, same factor has come through uh, David Gonski's most recent report that's just been out for the last couple of days, looking again at the, um, you know, the administrative dimension of things versus the education, the you know, the more um, uh, unadulterated educational leadership curriculum teaching learning. Mm -hmm. And uh, in your report, in that final report, you do uh, go through uh, some promising approaches in case studies and so on. So I'd urge people to have a look at that. Um, you say that committed and highly effective teachers and teaching at every level in every location is essential. And um, there are a couple of things you talk about. Firstly, the need for better preparation for those about to teach in rural, regional, remote areas. But also, uh, interestingly, you know, the importance of growing the expertise of educators already who are in those mm. locations. Mm. Um, so can you expand on that second area, a little growing that expertise of existing staff? Yeah, I think uh, I can. Uh, when I was in, I think it was Narrabri, I um, was in a consultation group there where what uh, seemed to be um, very much alive and well was a very um, substantial and significant in-school professional development program. I think it was in a cluster of schools, a, a strong partnership between a regional university, um, some really good academics who'd done you know, very appropriate and relevant research, and a school which was committed to that, uh, to teacher development, and had made it a priority and a very targeted way. And what um, the data had shown was that you know, significant gains were being made not only on the teacher expertise front but also starting to pay off in terms of student learning achievement. So in a nutshell, it would be, um, as I've said I think in the report, you know, we need to continue to focus on high quality um, localised uh, at the point of where you know, the teaching and learning actually occurs. There is a role for, you know, going elsewhere and going to large conferences and hooking up internationally with on ICT and so on, but actually rolling your sleeves up with some expert, external expertise in a sustained way in the site where you actually do your teaching and learning, uh, teaching work with the students, you know, I think that's very, very significant um, because as everybody's probably aware listening to this, um, when you leave a site and move out and come back, particularly the more remote ones, you're often talking two, three, four, five days for supposedly one day of benefit. And there is both from practice sense and also from research, some of the um, uh, residual benefit of that quickly diminishes. Mm -hmm. 
So we talked about the staffing and the expertise there. Finally, I'd like to touch on one of the learning areas you say was raised in several other review submissions, uh, and, and you also did uh, 31 consultation sessions held across the country, and it was raised there as an important contribution to reducing that achievement gap that we mentioned right at the beginning. That's entrepreneurship education, isn't it? Yes. Um, yes, it is. And uh, I think there's still... I think there's a significant untapped uh, capacity uh, to explore the role of entrepreneurship um, and its impact on students' learning from two perspectives. One is, you know, in, in uh, basic terms, uh, improving outcomes, but the other one is in terms of motivation, engagement, relevance, and also very importantly for small uh, rural communities which are going through major transitions economically to actually develop new futures, new economic futures for the area, for a town or in fact for a region uh, because bottom line is many of the um, small schools are in decline because not only because of changing family size and amalgamation of farm sizes and so on but um, the closing down of industries or, or the economic base as well as the rationalisation of you know government human services. So there are examples of schools that have um, worked very closely with the community to actually develop a new economic, contribute towards developing a new economic base for the town in a sustain and an, and in a sustainable way that um, has had the benefit of um, uh, changing the employment profile and indeed um, retaining some of the young people in the community so that there is a um, a future for the town as distinct from an ageing profile. Um, now that, that has happened, I don't know whether it can happen everywhere, um, but I've certainly seen examples of it, uh, both, you know, I've seen Western Australia, I've seen South Australia, I've seen the Northern Territory, it's uh, in rural Queensland, New South Wales. There are, you know, very good examples of that, and I, th I think it's um, uh, an untapped, not untapped, under Undertapped resource that we or undertapped uh, approach that we could continue to build on. Excellent. Well, as I said, there's lots more information in your report. In addition to the four priority areas there, you've, you've made 11 recommendations, and that's accompanied by 53 actions yes. to address them. We'll include a link through to the full report in the transcript of this podcast on the Teacher Magazine website for those who want to take a closer look. But uh, for now, Dr. John Halsey, thank you very much for sharing your expertise with the research files. It's a pleasure and thank you very much for the opportunity. That's all for this episode. To keep listening or to download all of our podcasts for free, whether it's more on the research files or our series on school improvement, behaviour management, teaching methods, global education or action research, just visit acer.ac forward slash teacher iTunes or soundcloud.com forward slash teacher hyphen acer. The full transcript of this podcast is available at teachermagazine.com.au. That's also where you'll find the latest articles, videos and infographics for free. This podcast from Teacher Magazine is supported by Enhanced TV. Enhanced TV is used in thousands of Australian classrooms to stream educational videos that engage students. Enhanced TV is a not-for-profit, which means more value to educators. Enhanced TV is completely free to K-12 teachers. For more information, visit enhancedtv.com.au forward slash free.